Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. You know, I, again, I, I'm probably not going to get into too many specifics about what we're going to do next week. You asked me about right tackle. Uh, I mean, we, we've got a guy named Jared Jones-Smith who we signed off the street last week who we, we think is a chance to be a really good football player. Uh, kind of excited about him. I think, you know, obviously in free agency, whether it's the, quote, normal free agency period or what you've done on the street in the prior year, you're trying to set yourself up for, in the draft so that you can uh, you can pl- take the best player you can take. And uh, we're very aware of our needs. And uh, obviously... When the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board, that's awesome. And when they don't, you got to be a little careful. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question because it, it was a little bit of a different year. The positive is that we, at least we got to go to pro days. And sometimes that sounds trivial, but it's not to me. I went to a bunch of them. I like to see guys move. I like to feel them. I want to feel a guy coming off the line of scrimmage. I want to feel a quarterback throw. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to sit and meet with the kids, which I think is the biggest downside of the whole thing. Um, so that part is different than last year. At least we were out in the road. We got to speak to a whole bunch of college coaches. You know, that, that, I enjoyed that. We still had to do some Zoom meetings this year. I don't like that. Even though we get a lot of information and we got after it, it's not the same as sitting down with a kid, having dinner with him, having lunch with him, watching tape with him. Um, it's a little different conversation. So um, that's kind of a long way of saying that I think this we didn't have a combine, so we don't have medical like so the, there's compare and contrast between last year and this year. Some positives, some negatives. The medical's really hard. You know, we're still scrambling on medical right now, as is every team in the league. So to answer your question. Um, I think we're going to have some sort of off-season program, you know, and and therefore I'll feel better about getting the kids in our building rather than them being at home Zooming. So that gives you a little bit more latitude, I think, in the draft. But again, it, it's been a been a crazy two drafts. That's that's all I can tell you. Indeed, it has, Mike Mayock. Indeed, it has. Uh, and it's probably going to get a little crazier here <laughs> over these next couple of days uh, as the Raiders and everybody else uh, whittle their way down to uh, go time. Uh, and go time is fast approaching Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. The NFL will kick off its draft, its 2021 draft from Cleveland, Ohio. We'll be here uh, in Las Vegas monitoring, obviously, the home team. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, and we'll see where they finally, what direction uh, they go to go in. And, and as of right now, it's wide open. Uh, I think there's all sorts of paths that the Raiders can pursue. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, uh, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Welcome uh, back. I uh, hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, we're just a few short days away from the draft. I can't wait. I woke up pretty excited uh, today just thinking about the fact that, you know what, um, it's draft week. Uh, it's been a long time since we can say that, and yet here we are. 
uh, and the Raiders will soon be on the clock uh, at pick number number 17, unless they trade up. Uh, we'll see. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not ruling out a trade back. Uh, I'm not ruling out some big-time shockers uh, in this draft. There, It always happens. Uh, every NFL draft has its share of surprises. I don't expect this to be any different. I know Raider Nation uh, is waiting on pins and needles as is everybody else and uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line or excuse me listener line right off the bat Robert is in Portland and he wants to talk about the Raiders how you doing Robert oh hey Vinny in 2014 Jeff Fisher picked uh, Greg Robinson second pick they had in the draft and then they picked the most critical pick of all time 14th pick in the first round they picked Aaron Donald is it possible that they can just stay at 17 and get a special player like Aaron was that late in the draft. Well, uh, that's um, that's that's quite uh, an, an undertaking uh, to expect that they could get a, a player of that caliber. Although I I do believe Micah Parsons. Um, as far as defensive players in this draft is as good as any, and I think he has the best chance of being that kind of an impact uh, player. A lot of interesting story. You know, I was I, I wasn't covering the Rams uh, at the time that they drafted Aaron Donald, but I, I've heard all the backstories. And uh, you know, if you if you remember back to that draft, obviously, they, like you said, uh, they picked Robinson with the second pick. They needed a left tackle. Um, and they were able to get their left tackle, even though he didn't turn out to be that left tackle. Um, so, but they had already had they had a really good defensive line. They had Robert Quinn. Uh, they had um, one of the um, uh, who I'm, I'm drawing a block, uh, Long uh, uh, Chris Long was there. Uh, there were uh, they had just drafted um, a, a player from uh, LSU, uh, uh, Michael Brockers, I think the year before. So they were pretty much set at, at defensive tackle and. In talking to their leadership group, um, by by being able to secure the left tackle with the second pick overall, and I think they got that in that trade uh, for for Robert Griffin the third. Um, that's how they were able to get up that high. So they were able to secure what they thought at the time. It didn't turn out to be that way, but in their minds, they had secured the position of need with left tackle, and they had kind of had the luxury of: do we make a really good position? just an unbelievably good position and that's exactly what they did uh, by drafting Aaron Donald so a little bit of luck that he fell that far and also they had the power like for instance if they didn't have that second pick overall um, which they got in a trade uh, but if they didn't have that to be able to secure their tackle at that point they would have had to draft their tackle another point with that 13th pick overall and so Aaron Donald would have never played for the Rams because they were already strong at that position and they needed to tackle more. And that should actually be a cautionary tale for everybody. Uh, and if you're listening, think of it this way. Uh, obviously, the Raiders have a need for tackle. That's There's no doubt about it. But don't put yourself in a position where you're neglecting or saying no to, even if you're f- somewhat secure at a certain position, i.e. linebacker, uh, and let's just use Michael Parsons as an example. Let's say, say he does fall to 17, right? And the Raiders are sitting there going, well, we've got our, uh, we've got Nick Kukowski, we've got Corey Littleton, we just signed Nicholas Morrow. Uh, we're set at linebacker right now. Don't let that be the reason that you don't draft the best player uh, available, even if it's at a position that right now you're quote-unquote covered in. You never know what the future holds, number one. Number two, you never want to say no to a tremendous player just to fill a position uh, with 
the best player maybe at that position at that point in the draft. The Rams, again, had they not had the second overall pick uh, back in, what was it, 2014 or right around there, um, had they not had the second pick in the draft, which they acquired in a trade, had they not gotten their tackle at number two, they would have never drafted Aaron Donald number 13. Well, maybe they would have. I can't say that they wouldn't have, but imagine had they not, and they would have missed out on a generational talent. Uh, without question. So again, yes, they have a need at tackle. They have a need at free safety. But you can't force it. If you, if a special player is sitting there waiting for you to pick him, even if it's, listen, even if it's a quarterback, I, I, I have to say that, even if it's a quarterback, um, if, if somebody were to fall to 17, that's that good. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, where would you, in your mind, where would you go if, my, if a Micah Parsons, a special player at a, um, at a position of relative strength for the Raiders, are you going to say, you know what, we'll, we'll deal with tackle down the road. Give us the best player here, and that's Micah Parsons. Uh, no, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm, just, I'm fearful of Denver. If Denver decides they can't get the quarterback they want, Due to whatever Detroit does, um, I think that they're going to have to trade up to, to get Parsons because I think Denver's uh, Fangio's a big fan of uh, this kid. That, you know, I, I think that's the issue. So that's why I asked the question: Is there another guy maybe in this draft that we just don't know about that is just incredible? That's that you know because I, I fear Denver's going to take him because Fangio's a defensive coach, and uh, I know they need a quarterback. We both know that. But I just feel that uh, Trey Lance may not drop that far. I think he, you know, he, he just he may even go to the Niners in the third pick. And I don't think Fields is Fields is going to last past Carolina. I just think that uh, this draft is setting up for Denver to take the best uh, defensive player in the draft, and that is Micah Parsons, because he's better uh, overall than Caleb Farley or indeed Patrick Sertain, who's a great corner out of uh, Bama. I, I just. I, I'm just thinking, well, maybe this Rousseau kid, uh, you know, out of Miami, he, although they just signed a great defensive uh, end vet, um, he's rated probably the, the fourth best defensive player in the draft. But is there somebody that's just remarkably good that's been kind of not considered? It might be Ojolari, you know, the Georgia outside linebacker, who I loved watching this year. The kid was just incredible, but he's not getting the press that some of these other guys are getting. Yeah, um, I think uh, Jeremiah Owusu uh, Koromara from from Notre Dame probably uh, fits that bill. He's not as big as Micah Parsons, uh, but he's definitely kind of that Swiss Army knife guy that uh, so many teams, um, you know, defensively. Uh, are, are are really starting to to zero in on guys like this that could just be lined up all over the place. Um, and and if you look at uh, JOK, uh, these last couple of years he's been used in coverage, which he's really good in coverage, uh, hunting down the run. Uh, they've used him on stunts and blitzes. Notre Dame did uh, to go get the quarterback. Uh, so he's a guy that can that can, he can line up at safety. He can line up in the box. He can line up at you can put him put his hand on the ground uh, and let him go uh, chase the quarterback uh, from a down position or even an up position. You know, rushing off the edge, rushing from the inside. So he's a kind of a guy that um, you know fits that kind of a bill. And I think that there's still a lot of upside uh, with Jeremiah. Is he worth the 17th pick overall? See, th- that's where. That's where you know you start to to, to really you know what 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 
where my mind goes there is 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 he I don't think he's on Parsons level. He could be no doubt about it eventually, uh, but right now from what you look at from what you see on on tape, at least my opinion, I think Parsons is like the special player right now. There's just so many ways that you could utilize him um, and so many ways that he could help your defense. And I think he's a guy that if he's there, then you say, okay, you know what? We may have a greater need elsewhere, but we'll deal with the greater need in another, maybe it's the next round or the round after that or via free agency or a trade, whatever the case might be. This player, Parsons, is just too compelling to pass up right now. I don't know if Jeremiah is so compelling that he's going to make you change your draft strategy. Like if you feel like, uh, and 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 keep in mind, there's going to be some tackle prospects at number seventeen that are legit day one starters, and they're going to be able to play for the next you know ten years or so. That's how good the tackles are in this draft, and that's how good one of those tackles uh, that will be available there at number seventeen. That's that's just how good they are. So it's not like you're making a reach to go fill a position. Uh, you're you're if if you're the Raiders at number seventeen, chances are you're going to get a pretty good darn tackle uh, at that number seventeen pick. And that's something important to remember. Do you not take that good tackle right there at seventeen and move on to uh, JOK? Is is JOK that good that that would he would he would uh, he would Compel you uh, to switch up your, your draft plan. I don't know about that. I do think that Michael Parsons is. He's good enough uh, to make you change what you were going to do and and adjust. And I'm sure the Raiders have all these you know scenarios covered. Like they've they've practiced this. They've gone over it. Okay. And I'm not trying to speak for them because I don't know. May, they may have Michael Parsons off their board in the first round. They may believe. They may feel like the red flags that are associated with Michael Parsons are, are just too red uh, to, to, to take a chance, even on 17, let alone trading up for him. Or they may feel like whatever the issues have been with Michael Parsons, they're more than manageable, and the talent completely outweighs the small risk uh, in, in drafting him and whatever you need to do as an organization uh, to, to smooth out those rough edges. Uh, so I, I can't speak for the Raiders. I just don't know. They're being very tight-lipped, as they should be at this point um, in, in, in the process. But I guess my instincts say, for me anyway, Michael Parsons is a guy that makes change what you might have done if he's there at 17, whereas Jeremiah uh, Owusu-Koromara, uh, I, I don't know, necessarily think he's that uh, kind of a guy. Now, if a Patrick Sardane... Uh, falls to you uh, if a JC Horn falls to you that those two players might also be that good of a player that good of a talent that makes you readjust what it is that you were going to do uh, hey Robert really appreciate the call uh, keep him coming don't ever be a stranger back out to the Raider Nation listener line Madro is on the line how you doing Madro how you doing Vinny very good man um, you know I'm <laughs> about two three weeks ago I was very high on Micah Parsons <laughs> what, happened, what happened now, and only because, like I said, I've been around the game a long time. So many people are talking about him on every level, every time, about trading up, doing this. Will he fall to us? Will he go to, you know, New England, take him at 15, or will Denver take him earlier? You know, it's just, and I'm thinking, 
I don't want to give up anything to move up for the guy. Because, number one, I actually started looking at a whole lot more highlight film on him. And the highlight films do nothing but show him in the back, you know, making a sack, which is fine and dandy. That's impact stuff. But he couldn't cover me, and I'm 70 years old. <laughs> um, well, you know, and I'm not even kidding you on that. And we face in the Western Division, you know, because that's what you worry about, your own division. There are three pretty good tight ends we go against. Denver, Font has come into his own. As we know, Kansas City's got Kelsey. And it's, I don't know if you remember a guy named Jared Cook, who's now on the Chargers. And you got to have a linebacker that's able to cover these guys. And, you know, the kid um, from Jeremiah. Dame, yeah, he's a great coverage guy. And plus, I think he can put on, and this is just me, another 10, 20 pounds. I really think he can get up to maybe 235, 240 uh, without losing any speed. Because, you know, these guys are so, the trainers and the, strength coaches are just so good at what they're doing now yeah you know without question the time they all right let me let me throw something let me throw something at you madro um and and here's where it gets a little tricky with micah parsons i don't necessarily think his coverage weakness is something that has been uh definitively proven i just don't think that we've seen him Play that side of you know uh, perform in that uh, in in that realm enough to really know and remember he didn't play last year you know, oh, due to, I know. Uh, oh, and that's and that's and that's where yeah and and Madro that's where it got so tricky with these kids that opted out uh, I was for, for whatever your decision was I supported it because everyone had an individual choice to make um, when it came right. to what whether the play or not so. When I say there's, you know, it, it raises questions. It's it has nothing to do with a, a lack of passion for the game or commitment or anything like that at all. Everyone had their decision to make. I respect everybody's decision. Okay, for me, the questions become, what did, what, you know, what are we missing out on that we didn't get from the 2020 film uh, footage? In Micah Parsons' case, he might have been. He might have completely shut any argument down on whether he could, you know, defend the pass because I because he probably would have been utilized in that form and fashion. And I'll tell you why. I know his head coach is going to try to a win games, but b you know part of your job as a college coach uh, is to also develop guys. Your you, one of your one of your objectives in college is to d help develop professional asp uh, you know uh, um, prospects, develop them. Oh, and nothing, so I think. Nothing helps recruiting better than placing guys in the NFL. <laughs> exactly, and so when and so we just may not have seen. Down. Are you yeah. are, are you leaving any room for that possibility? Like the concerns that you might have with Micah Parsons in terms of pass coverage could simply be because we haven't seen him uh, do it, or that's, he wasn't even yeah, asked to do it those first. Too, months. you know. I mean, I understand that. It's just like uh, you had a caller a couple calls ago saying, "Could we find a?" hidden gem basically in the first well there's hidden gems all over the place you know i mean tom brady is a damn good example of a hidden gem at 199 <laughs> yep. um you know you, that's the whole thing about the draft we it's so funny we spent five months on this thing talking about this and that and we and you still don't know if you had a draft worth of shit for the first three years and and uh, uh, uh and we've talked about this a lot 
you know, it's a risky business to begin with. You know, you just don't know because what you don't ultimately know is truly, truly know is how 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 hard does the bell going to change it? And and literally, can your talents to the next level? Those are those are unknowns that for every player, whether it's Trevor Lawrence or the guy that's going to get drafted last in this draft, every one of those players comes into the game with some level of uh, uncertainty regarding their transition to the NFL. So what you're trying to do as a team and as a decision maker is go in understanding, hey, there are questions that you just can't, like you said, you don't know for the next three years. There are questions that are unanswerable at this point, and you just understand that. But there are other ways that you can mitigate that risk. Is he a good person? Um, what are the red flags? You know, you, you talk as much as you can to people that know him. You, you, you dig into their background just to eliminate as many of those you know, risks, risk factors that are innately associated with, the, uh, with draft picks. You, you try to eliminate as much as, as you possibly can. And here's the thing, um, and thanks for the call, Madro. Here's the thing. This draft is going to be interesting because as Madro and I were just talking about, there's a lot of players that you just don't have film information on from 2020. You don't have a up-to-date film body of work for a lot of guys that um, did just skipped last year due to COVID-19 uh, concerns. And again, we're not passing any judgment. I'm not passing any judgment on any person, on any player's individual decision. But, but you know, these guys that are making these decisions, these are decisions that are going to determine whether they have a job or not in a couple of years. So it's, it's, um, it's natural that guys and 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 women um, will 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 take the safer road, and sometimes the safer road, just by volume of information, might mean skipping on a guy that you know was was didn't matter that recent, rather than two years ago or over a year ago, and so. And I'm going to talk about this when we come back. We're going to go to break here in just a little bit. There's actually going to be guys, to me, that slide as a result of that. And teams are going to uncover some of those quote-unquote in gems in the second and third, maybe even that fourth round. Because when it comes down to it, there's going to be a lot of decision, a lot of teams that make this decision when it comes their turn, whether it's in the first round, second round, third round. All things being equal, there's going to be teams that say, okay, this guy played in 2019 or, 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 or played in 2020, but this guy didn't. We're going to take the guy that played in 2020 because we just have a little bit more information on him. And that 2019 guy that didn't play in 2020 is going to slip a little bit. And you're going to see players, I, I think anyway, it could go completely opposite, but I do think you're going to see players that are drafted in that third and fourth round that didn't play in 2020 that are going to be darn good. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we get on the other side, we're going to continue that dialogue. We're going to talk about what the Raiders' options are. Do you stand pat at 17? Do you trade up to make sure you go get a Michael Parsons, the best defensive player in this draft? Do you, do you slide back, get your tackle, collect some other picks? There's all sorts of... Uh, avenues that the Raiders can take and 
Julio Jones to the Raiders. You know what? Uh, all due respect uh, to Mr. King uh, over at uh, uh, you know uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, I don't see it, Peter. I don't see it. You're in the huddle with any, with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bajo. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. All right, all right. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line because Jesse wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing good, man. What you got? All right, so so here it is, man. You All know, right, let me hear it, up. man. Hear it straight up. So if you got Parsons on the board, Veritek on the board, Jenkins on the board, who mm. is going to be the pick if you had to call it, or and who should be the pick? I'm personally, I'm going to go Jenkins. Just because, hear me out, I feel like the offensive line is a bigger need as of right now, round one, more than linebacker is. I, I, I guess I'm putting a little bit more faith in Littleton and, and Nick, but... I get the Parsons hype, and I, I get the the allure, and and why we would also want to go that way. Well, um, and I'm all over uh, Jenkins. I think the dude's a stud. I think he fits the Raiders' way of doing things too. He's going to bring nasty. Uh, and you think about a, a guy like Jenkins uh, and Richie Incognito on the same offensive line, bringing that nasty element. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. But man, Michael Parsons. I just, you know, I'd hate it for the Raiders to look down a couple years down the line and Michael Parsons is making plays uh, left and right, um, just being a wrecking ball out there. And, you know, the Raiders understanding that they had a chance to get him at number 17. That one would be kind of a crushing, crushing kind of a blow. Like, I'm not necessarily saying they got to trade up for him. I would consider it. But, I mean, I just did a mock draft uh, with the LA Times on Saturday or over the weekend. And um, I had the 17th pick. I was picking for the Raiders. And I kept checking in as it was going on. Is Parsons still there? Yeah. Is Parsons still there? Yeah. Is Parsons still there? He was there at 17. I'm like, and this was the beat writers um, for the for each team. So they kind of have a little bit of knowledge of what's going on. Uh, not a lot necessarily, but they have a little bit of uh, a finger on the pulse of the teams. And at least the 16 beat writers that cover the teams ahead of the Raiders, drafting ahead of the Raiders, they believe that their team wasn't going to draft Michael Parsons. So if he's there, man, I would. it would be hard for me not to draft uh, Michael Parsons. I appreciate the call, Jesse. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line again. Raider T uh, wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Raider T? Hey, Vinny. Good afternoon, my friend. You too, brother. Hey, hey I got to tell you. So I've, uh, I think there's a lot of different ways they can go and have a successful draft, number one. Number two, there's so many good players – I've changed 180 degrees from when I first looked at this. If you asked me about a month and a half ago, I would have said get the interior defensive tackle from Alabama, Barmore. Then I flip-flopped and went O-tackle in the first round, either Derrishaw or um, Jenkins, and then get the Richie Grant in the second round. Now I'm convinced that if Parsons falls to us or if JOK falls to us, and JOK was a guy I definitely didn't want because I don't like undersized uh, linebackers, but if either of those guys are there, I think that uh, the second-round tackles are good enough that you get a playmaker on defense in the first round. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to regret it. Um, so that's what I, I see in the first and second round. But in the third round, 
don't be surprised if we take an offensive guard because I think there's going to be a lot of value there and a safety if we don't get a safety in the second round. If we can't get Richie Grant in the second round, look for Cisco in the third round. Um, or if we don't take, if we take the O tackle in the first round, then look for a linebacker in the third round. So linebacker and safety or guard and safety in the third round is, is kind of my prediction, depending on what we do in the first round. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I appreciate the call, uh, Raider T. Um, and, uh, I wrote a story about this over the weekend, but if you look at the Raiders roster, they only have 25 players under contract for 2022. Uh, and that includes only, I think three offensive linemen and three or four defensive linemen. Uh, so there's areas that you have to look at, uh, as Raider nation, when you're looking ahead to, um, you know, uh, th- this draft and kind of assuming, oh, they're set at this position or they're set at their, that position. Well, the way their roster is constructed right now, they're not just drafting for this year, but beyond. And so um, there's some positions like offensive line, and I completely agree with you, uh, Raider T. Uh, offensive guard, as of right now, Richie Incognito is on under contract for next year. John Simpson is, and um, and, and Denzel Good uh, is. They have got two guards, basically, that are on, you know, guys that you kind of figure – are really in the plans. Those are the only two players that they have uh, under contract at guard going into next year. So I could definitely see them uh, picking up a guard somewhere along the line as well. And there's some good guards too. Uh, there's there's some really good guard prospects available in this draft. Uh, uh, but I appreciate the call, Raider T. Thank you very much. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in our good friend Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I believe he's in Cleveland. Are we in Cleveland? Have we landed yet, Sam? Not only am I in Cleveland, Vinny, I'm at Progressive Field for a little uh, Twins Indians action tonight. Catch Get out of here. American pastime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here, Vinny. Actually, my dad is from Cleveland, and he drove out from Minnesota to come meet me and hang out a little bit. While oh, my, see, drive. look, you know what? Uh, that's that's one of the benefits of when we get to travel. Um, there's there's somebody usually that's close by that'll 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 make the ride out uh, to hang with you, and it, it doesn't get any better than being able to hook up with your pops <laughs> on a road trip. No. <laughs> And go take in uh, a baseball game. Love progressive feel. I could picture right now driving off the freeway in Cleveland and seeing uh, seeing the field right there in downtown. It's a great little setup. So enjoy the game. We won't take up too much of your time, by the way. By the way, uh, shout out to Mr. Gordon, the Mr. Gordon. Um, uh, before we go any further, uh, and give and give a, a, a thanks and a shout out to, to Pops because uh, he deserves it. Man, he, he he reared a great son. Reared a great son. All right, Samuel, uh, you're there. You're in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been a while since events like this uh, going into a city. Obviously, Las Vegas was supposed to host it last year. Uh, that didn't happen for obvious reasons. Um, are are you are you feeling it? Is there is there a sense that something cool is about ready to happen in Cleveland, or, or are we still kind of in you know trepid kind of an area right now? I think we're getting there, Vinny. I really think we're getting there. When I got off the when I got off the plane uh, over the weekend and arrived in Cleveland, one of the first things I saw was a massive banner, "Welcome to the 2021 NFL Draft." You know, Cleveland, uh, April 29th to May 1st. So, yeah, there's still. I mean, it's, I don't think we're going to see every. It's not going to be full throttle because there are still some restrictions. People are still being pretty cautious. You know, you're, even at the baseball game tonight, there's only you know ten uh, capped at ten thousand people, and there's probably like five or six thousand if we're being honest. So. There's still a little bit of trepidation, but we're seeing that, look, there's starting to be a light at the end of the tunnel. I know there's some excitement here uh, from the locals and from people in town. It's a great sports town. 
uh, as you know, there's a lot going on. The Browns are good, so there's a lot of enthusiasm about that. And I, I think Cleveland's just excited for the opportunity to showcase itself as a sports city on the national stage. And I think that's one of the things that's so cool about the NFL uh, when they decided to go on the road with the NFL draft and take it to different markets. It's really not just the draft anymore. It's not just a, a, an event for you know football fans. It's an, a community event. It's a city showcase. And there's going to be tons of great stuff here all week. The city's definitely excited. And I'm grateful to be out here and uh, to have the chance to soak it all in in person. All right, before we get into some rated questions, I got to ask because, you know, when you go around to different stadiums, uh, the food situation uh, is always a little bit, you know, different and unique. Uh, and I got to ask before we go any further, uh, what are we diving into tonight at, uh, at Progressive Field? Um, pizza. I had pizza and it was really, really good. The cheese was fantastic. They got a little pepperoni. Uh, it, it didn't taste like cardboard. I can't remember the name of the pizza place, but I think it's from a local. Uh, a local pizza joint here in Cleveland, and it was really, really good. My dad got a hot dog, and then uh, we're here with his cousin, too. He got some nachos, and the nachos were loaded. I mean, I've never seen nachos this loaded. So there, there's a full compliment. Uh, there's something here for everybody, and uh, the pizza was my choice tonight, and it was fantastic. It's superb. All right, and man, and be careful on the bruise, all right? Uh, just letting you know. and. Always. and you know exactly, exactly, and I know, I know. Uh, looking at Sam and uh, watching him do his thing at the gym, uh, he he keeps that all uh, under control as well. So, uh, so good on you for that. All right, man. So we're about three days away from all this, uh, you know, going down. Uh, any gut feeling? Any latest gut feeling on what the Raiders are going to do at number seventeen? Are they going to stay put? Are they going to go tackle? Do they move up? Um, uh, what do you got, Sam? Oh, that's such a good question. I think one thing we've, that we've learned about um, John Gruden and Mike Mayock is that they'll be unpredictable. They're not afraid to be unpredictable, sometimes for better, um, sometimes for worse, as we've seen the last few years with their draft history. So if they stay at 17, I think they're going to stay at 17. And if they do, I still think tackle is the way to go. Um, like I've been saying for a couple of weeks, like we talked about on our podcast as well, you have your left side of your offensive line locked up. You have Colton Miller, who, who they believe is an ascending player, locked in as their car's blindside protector for the next few years moving forward. But you don't have your, the, the right side. You don't have a right tackle solidified. And, and one of the strengths of this team for the last three, four, five years, uh, dating back to that 2016 season when they made the playoff run and, and made that run in the AFC West, was the offensive line. And if you can nail the right tackle and get a young player in there, uh, we know Mike Mayock wants to go younger on that offensive line. You get the right tackle in there, the right player, you're set at both your tackle spots for at least the next five years if, if you get the right player in there. So uh, we know how much uh, line play matters. I think if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they've upgraded their offensive line based on what happened in the Super Bowl because that line wasn't up to par, and we saw how that turned out um, just, just as an example. So if you solidify your offensive line, I think you give yourself a great chance of, of, uh, of maintaining the high level of offensive play that the Raiders put forth last year. Now, obviously there are other options, like you mentioned, you could possibly trade up. Uh, you, you can you can go for free safety, which is which is clear, very clearly a need. Or um, you know, like I heard you talking while I was waiting to come on. Uh, if if a player like Michael Parsons falls, like I, I think he's one of the best players in the draft, arguably the best defensive player in the draft. I think you pull the trigger for sure. It's not like yeah, linebacker is that your most pressing need? Not necessarily, but there's, the Raiders are still in the position where they can use as much talent as possible. And, and he is a big time player who you know watching the film and, and watching the way he plays. He's fast. He's physical. He can get after the quarterback. He's a factor in coverage. So there's really nothing that, that he can't do out of that linebacker position. If he falls, I think that would be a great pick. But right now, I'm holding firm. Offensive tackle, I think, is the way to go. And then you, you address defense for depth in the later rounds. 
We're talking to Sam Gordon. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, he is talking to us from Progressive Field in downtown uh, Cleveland, and uh, with his with his pops and his uncle taking in a uh, an Indians game. And uh, I, I, I wish I was there, man. Uh, you're 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 getting my juices flowing right now, thinking about attending a live baseball game. It's been too dang long uh, since I was able to do that. So enjoy it. Um, all right, so. Um, Obviously, free safety becomes a, uh, you know, if you go tackle in that first round, obviously free safety becomes, you know, the uh, probably the next pick. Um, if the guy that the Raiders like is there at number 48, uh, any particular preference that you have from the free safety field uh, that, that you would be, you know, uh, that, that, that you'd be interested in at number 48? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he's still there at 48, I'd, I'd like Javon Holland. I'd like Javon Holland. I, I know. You know, there's some questions. Is he a true free safety? Is he not? I think, I think he can, with, with Gus Bradley uh, as a defensive coordinator and with his staff, with the rest of his uh, assistant coaches in there, uh, I think he'd be a great fit and, and could be somebody that can be coached and developed into being able to play, into being able to cover at an elite level and being able to fit in that cover three scheme. Uh, sure, you know, he might not be the number one prospect on the board. Obviously, that's, you know, Trevon Merrick of TCU, but that doesn't mean you can't find a starter in the second round. I think Javon Holland is that. Let's not forget how good he was in 2019, just because we didn't get a chance to see him in 2020, doesn't mean he wasn't one of the best players, one of the best defensive players in the back in the Pac-12 on a very good Oregon team in 2019. So he would be the guy uh, in the second round if the, the Raiders do elect to go free safety if he happens to be there. I, I think he's a big-time player that could come in and make an impact from day one and then has the upside, the physical tools, and the talent to develop into a high-end player based on like the kind of players we've seen Gus Bradley develop throughout his past You know, in, in Jacksonville with the Chargers, and obviously with Seattle and that Legion of Boom. All right, last uh, question before I let you go uh, enjoy the rest of that baseball game. Uh, who are the 49ers selecting uh, at quarterback at Ooh. number three, and then what do the Atlanta Falcons do at number four? Oh, great question. Um, gut feeling, I think the 49ers go Mac Jones. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be my pick. I would, have, I would go Justin Fields there. I, I just think with all the, you know, all the talk the last few months, I think we're overthinking it with Justin Fields. All he did, Vinny, was win at Ohio State, put up great numbers, and play fantastic, save for a couple games. And He's not going to be perfect. I mean, who is at 20 or 21 years old? But he has the arm talent. He has the physical tools. Uh, he's proven that he can make all the throws. He can make all the reads. I think all these questions and all the, and the nitpicks, I think we're doing way too much. But with that said, I do think they're going to go Mac Jones. Uh, he was a very obviously a very productive player at Alabama. He was very, very good. Uh, can, can, can make all the throws, can do all the things you need a quarterback to do. I just don't think he has the upside because of his, you know, I don't think he has the same kind of mobility that a guy like Justin Fields or even Trey Lance, for that matter, has. And you see at this stage uh, where the NFL is in 2021, how important mobility is out of the quarterback. I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, you got to be able to move around back there in the pocket and, and make some things happen. And that's not to say he's a complete statue, but he doesn't have the upside of a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. And, and then if, if, if at Atlanta, number four, then things get interesting, right? If you, if you want to, to build out that offense and, and kind of prepare to transition as, as, as all these Julio Jones questions come up about what they're going to do with him, you go Kyle Pitts. I mean, he seems like to me like the safest player in this draft. All the physical tools in the world, generational type of prospect. I, he, he, sees, he seems to me as safe and as much of a can't-miss prospect as there possibly is. But I don't know. What, what if the quarterback you like is there? I mean, Matt Ryan is he's going to be 36. This, uh, this season, and then he's not a spring chicken anymore, and we've seen the last few years, and you haven't necessarily been able to contend with him. Now, I'd be surprised if they go quarterback, uh, but maybe somebody trades up and, and comes and wants to come get Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I'm not really sure, but I think if they stay put, 
that, that Atlanta goes with Kyle Pitts. And you can't knock that pick because of his size, his physical tools, and just how productive he is. He's the real deal. Uh, he's the type of guy that comes in day one, makes an impact, and is a pro bowl player uh, by the by his second year at the latest. So um, it, it's going to be an interesting draft. I think we're going to see more trades. I, I don't think the trades are done. There's always some kind of wild card. Or there's always a wrench thrown in there on draft day that we're not expecting, and I think that's what makes this event so much fun and so exciting for, for everybody involved is that you don't know what's going to happen. There, there is always a random player pick that you don't expect. Somebody's reaching for somebody. Somebody falls. So I'm happy to be here. I'm excited, and, and I'm going to do my best to provide the review journal uh, with the best coverage like you do, like our team does, and I'm really excited to be here. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. All right, my brother. Hey, where does Rashad, where's your uh, University of Minnesota uh, fellow alum go? Uh, Rashad uh, Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota, real quick. Um, um, man, uh, in the first round, somewhere, I'll tell you. Ooh. I'm not exactly sure who takes it, but I'll tell you what, Vinny. If he, if he falls past the first round, that, that's going to be a big mistake for all, the, for all those teams that passed on him. I think he comes in as the day one starter and is an impact receiver. Uh, he's fast. He, he has good hands. He runs good routes. There's nothing that, nothing might pop about him, but I think he does everything well. Really, really solid player and one of the best players we've ever had in school history. So I'm um, hoping to see him land in an ideal situation for him. Uh, wherever he ends up, the team's going to get a really good football player. All right, man. Go enjoy the game with your dad and the uncle. There's nothing like family time. Uh, I could attest to that. Uh, I would love to be able to go see a game uh, with, my, with, my, my, with my father, my late father. Uh, but uh, So I'm going to live vicariously through you, Sam. You guys uh, have, have a blast tonight uh, at Progressive Field uh, watching the Indians play, my man. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy and be safe uh, on your trip to Cleveland. No doubt, Vinny. Anytime, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. All righty. That's Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon, taking a little uh, R&R uh, on the trip to Cleveland. He is there uh, with Heidi Fang, our great photographer uh, and videographer. Uh, I had to say that slow so I said it correctly. Uh, but they're in uh, uh, Cleveland uh, getting a sneak peek uh, at the draft, obviously, in Cleveland, because don't forget, the draft next year is in Las Vegas. So we're going to give it a, uh, uh, get a get a look at how Cleveland's going to handle their business today, albeit on a condensed uh, you know basis, still getting over the pandemic. Uh, next year, hopefully, we're completely clear of that nonsense uh, and doing it up here in Las Vegas. I can't wait. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonner. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Yeah, I think we're all uh, a little delirious right now uh, after months and months and months of draft talk, draft preparation, draft evaluations, draft madness. It's time for the draft to start. Well, we have a few more days to wait uh, before that becomes official, uh, but we're going to get you there. We're going to get there together, you guys. I uh, woke up today with uh, a pit in the bit, uh, bottom of my stomach just thinking, okay, uh, it's draft. And I, I, the reason I do that is because there's a lot of work. <laughs> that's It's crazy covering the NFL draft, especially when you cover a team. 
Um, you know, it's it's happening. It's all happening on deadline. Uh, I work for a newspaper, obviously, the Las Vegas Review Journal. That's who I cover the Raiders for. Um, and so you have to, you know, you have to be on top of things. You have to, who is this player? Try to get them on the phone via the team. Uh, get everything written up uh, before a deadline to get you guys the news as quickly as we possibly can. Uh, there's always going to be a surprise. There's always going to be a curveball. I'm not ruling out. A, uh, a trade by the Raiders, whether it's to go up or to go down. Uh, I'm expecting, I'm bracing for anything. And you get excited about stuff like that because it's just so compelling, so interesting. I know it's just football, and I totally understand that. Uh, but we're all here for a reason. I, it's it's my job. I love every second of it. Uh, for for you guys uh, and gals, it's it's your passion. You know, you love the Raiders, and I get that. And I try. You know, it's my only goal is to give you the most accurate, uh, hopefully, a little bit of entertainment uh, along the way um, account of 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 your team of the Raiders, and uh, that's my uh, only one and only objective. And the main objective of that objective. It's just get it right. It doesn't matter if it's first or second or, or whatever the case might be. Um, get it right. A few instances uh, already, for me anyway, covering the Raiders and, and anything that, I have, that I've ever covered before. Uh, it's funny sometimes, you know, something that will happen that a national um, writer or broadcaster or media member uh, will report and uh, it's not necessarily completely accurate and usually it's it's the local the, the beat writer, uh, their job to to make sure, is this right? Is this somewhat right? You know, uh, if, 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 it's, if it's something that you're not necessarily uh, breaking. And uh, we saw a couple of instances that uh, this offseason, you know, uh, if you remember correctly, the Raiders were cutting Rodney Hudson. They were cutting Gabe Jackson, and everyone was up in arms. And I just remember checking in with my source, and they're like, we haven't done uh, anything like that. <laughs> you know, just wait, wait. There'll be a decision here pretty soon, and all options are still on the table, uh, which led me to believe that a trade was in the works. They were trying to trade both of those players. They weren't just walking away from Rodney Hudson or Gabe Jackson without any compensation, but that's how it was reported initially, and everyone you know that, that covers the team, or at least me, um, hey, ho, 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 hold on a second. That's not exactly what's happening. And I've, as I uh, explained uh, to you guys, uh, a lot of what you see when it happens, when it's broken on a national basis, is the agent feeding that information to the national uh, media member. And I completely get it, and I completely understand it. There's a reason why they do that. Why, Vinny? Well, because instead of having to text anyone, all the beat writers of the team or you know, each beat writer for each individual team, you just send it to um, you know, uh, Adam Schefter uh, or send, it to, send a text to Ian Rappaport. Hey, uh, my client so-and-so just signed with a so-and-so for you know, three years, $80 million, whatever the case might be. Uh, or my client, in this case, it was they're going to cut Gabe Jackson. The Raiders are going to cut Gabe Jackson. The Raiders are going to release Rodney Hudson. Yeah, well, that was the agent's side of the story, um, but that's not what the, the real side, the real, it's not really what was happening. So uh, you have to be careful, and uh, those guys do a tremendous job, and, and if I'm an agent, that's probably how I would do it uh, as well. You just get it out to what, you blast it out to one person, and that person blasts it out on a, on a national uh, kind of a level. But when you're covering the team, and I've seen this so often, the national narrative or the national um, 
you know, way it's portrayed isn't always what's really going on. And that's where I rely on my own sources um, to kind of cut through all that uh, confusion. I saw that so much, you guys, uh, covering the the NFL back to Los Angeles story. And if you remember, it was the Rams in St. Louis wanting to come to L.A., the Chargers in San Diego wanting to come to L.A., obviously the Raiders in Oakland wanting to come to L.A. And there was a lot of um, layers to that story. And you had a, a reporter like myself or Sam a farmer from the Los Angeles Times that was, we were just trying to cover it from a Los Angeles perspective, the LA perspective. We weren't writing for the Rams in St. Louis. We weren't writing for the Raiders in Oakland. We weren't writing for the Chargers in San Diego. We were covering it from LA's perspective. And um, so <laughs> when you're doing that and you're trying to, you know, make connections with everybody involved, to try to, you know, get as accurate a, a portrayal of what's going on, what's motivating teams, what's, uh, what are the hurdles, what are the obstacles, what's the league thinking, what are the local municipalities in St. Louis and Oakland and San Diego think of all this, and you're just trying to get as much information as you possibly can by, from everyone involved and tell a story from Los Angeles's perspective, not the Raiders in Oakland, not the Chargers in San Diego, not you know, the, the Rams in St. Louis. And so our, you know, that's what, what was the perspective that we're um, trying to write our stories from and, and deliver the news from. And sometimes you would see things by one of the national guys, you're like, that's, that's not even close to what's going on. And you learn pretty, pretty early that depending on who is giving you the information, it may be completely correct it might be out from left field. That makes no sense at all. So you have to be careful. And that's why I, I'm always careful. And you guys have my word on this, that I'm always going to be careful. I'm going to try to get to the right people that make the decisions um, and, and try to get you the most accurate information as possible. You got my word on that. And here we are talking about the NFL draft. And we're going to continue on the other side. What do the Raiders do? At number 17, do they stand pat? Do they trade back? Do they trade up? Keep seeing the name Micah Parsons. Don't be the team that, because you got a need at a certain position, you're going to be in a rush to fill that need if it comes at the expense of a generational-type talent. The Rams got lucky in 2014. They ended up getting the second pick overall or whatever that draft was. They had that second pick. They were able to draft their tackle. And that allowed them to draft Aaron Donald with a 13th pick. They didn't even need a defensive tackle. They had defensive line. They're like, this guy's too dang good. We already figured out the tackle thing. We'll just take this, this defensive tackle now. Uh, and they got they lucked out. This the, Robinson out of the league. Aaron Donald going to the Hall of Fame. Imagine if they hadn't been able to address tackle, address tackle with number two pick. They would have never drafted Aaron Donald. They would have tried to find another offensive tackle. Don't be that team. Take your Aaron Donald. If Micah Parsons is there, man, and the red flags are manageable, go take it. Go take Micah Parsons. You're in the huddle with me, Monster. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahamur.